This is now the 18th big fitness podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. I'm here with Laura Dunlop out of Clayton Pilates and St. Louis Boxing Gym. Mm-hmm. There we go. Got you. Because we were, we were having some discrepancy between these. I know. And actually, now that I say it, it is actually now Central Studio for Pilates. And that's my fault because it was just oh, that's okay. renamed and rebought. So Central Pilates. And how, yeah. long, and how long have you been there? Six years. Got you. And okay, so let's, let's get into this. Um, so first of all, thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. Oh my God. This is, uh, this is too much fun. And um, I'm very excited to get into Pilates with you and fitness just in general and life and the meaning of it and how we get better and how we grow. So go ahead. Introduce yourself. Like what got you into Pilates? What got you into fitness? Sure. Go ahead. Um, so I have always been into movement, whether it was sports. I was also the person in high school that went to um, the high school counselor actually taught a jazzercise class. So I jazzercised as like a 12-year-old, I guess. Um, So between that, I played competitive volleyball and I was always moving. I went to college out in Santa Barbara. Okay. That is amazing. Is amazing. And so I started and um, I gained my freshman, whatever it was. And so I started running right? I'm in Santa Barbara. It's beautiful. So like, okay, well, I'll just run. And then I started running. I ran my first 10K out there and then I fell in love. And so then I started running 10 miles, What? Um, 20 miles. What, what, right. And you told me that you've done the, uh, the Boston Marathon, which is no bullshit. Yes. What, what was it that got you? What, what was it that uh, made you feel in love with the, with the running after you did the 10K? Um, my first race was just the community feeling, running next to people in a group. As an athlete who played team sports, I always find that there's just some sort of energy, right? When you can move with people and you all have the same goal. So I loved that part. And I think running is always a sort of moving meditation, right? It's just... I think there actually is a little bit of uh, a science like in the like neuro side of things mm-hmm. where it's if you're running out in running or doing any cardiovascular exercise like out in nature, it induces the same response as like meditation does in the brain. Yeah. So there's it's, something it's to it. And then the runner's high is like the best thing. I literally think ever. I literally am telling you, like the runner's high is the reason. All of this exists, yeah. Because it, like, it is my med- right before we did, th- right before we did this, I went on a run. Just ge- gets me leveled, leveled in. It gets me kind of like in tune and in present, in kind of my my present mode. You know what I mean? A hundred percent. So like, then you started doing more. What drove you to do more? Yeah, I, I was good. Right, I was pretty good at running, and I was pretty quick, and um, I just kept going. And my dad's a runner. So my dad ran, my sister ran. It was something that we all had in common. And then I'm also um, very goal-oriented. So as I started doing a lot of half marathons around here in training, I did my first full marathon, the St. Jude's in Memphis. And I crossed the finish line, and I realized I had qualified for Boston. So I was like, well, I have to do Boston. Yeah. So that year I did... Boston. And then I did the New York marathon in the same year together. And then I started having a lot of injuries, Mm. right? (laughs) Because when I'm running that much, 
repetitive movement. Um, I was throwing my back out. I was having a lot of hip pain. So fast forward to, I love running. I love doing that, but I needed something that was going to help me do it better and feel better doing it. And that's kind of where Pilates comes into how I found it and why it's still around. Yeah. And absolutely no doubt. I do want to go back to like your experience with running the, those two marathons because the Boston, the Boston marathon is difficult. And when I I was trying to just earlier this year, I was trying to qualify for the Boston marathon. It was, it's still one of my goals. I went to a thing called the frozen foot half marathon, like out probably closer around where you were at, um, just kind of like out West here in St. Louis. And, um, it was like nine degrees outside and I was supposed to do 18 miles and it was only 13. So my, my thing was, I'll do, I'll do this. And it was supposed to be a long run. So it's supposed to be easy. And I was doing everything on pavement. Well, this was a trail race Mm -hmm. and I'm too competitive. So like, I didn't go out there and just go, all right, I'm just going to go at the slow pace that I'm supposed to go. I was like, I'm going to win this motherfucking thing. So I just started to run as fast as I could. And I felt really good on the trail and it was cold and everything was frozen and I got sixth place in that race and then I finished it out. Problem was the terrain was really be really, really like rocky and, and it was up and down steep hills. It was out, out in the woods and I got Achilles tendonitis yeah. so bad that I couldn't, I couldn't wear like a regular shoe for like, like after that for about two months. It was, it was, a, it was about six weeks to two months and then I did. I, I continued to run after that. I kept running. Of course, that's what runners do. Right. I just keep running through it. And uh, I keep running, keep running, keep running. And then I did, uh, I did end up doing a marathon, but I did it in 350. And you have to get under three, uh, three hours, which is crazy. So what was the time you had to get to... Uh, it's no easy task. I want to say it was 320 or something. It, it, it is. It's like three, I think it's like th- under 320, 318. Something that like impressive. that. Yeah. How long did it take you to get there? Um, You know, I, I'm probably going to make so many runners mad with this. I didn't follow a training plan and I didn't like have a, here's my start and here's my buildup. And he, I just ran. Like I ran to what felt good. I listened to my body. Mm. Some days I pushed myself harder. I was like, I probably should have a long run this week. I mean, I am the worst at, um, in terms of a true runner who never plans. No, no, that's a true runner. A true runner is somebody who doesn't force himself. I was listening to you. Are you aware of the, the Mind Pump podcast? So just a big fitness podcast. And um, they were just talking about this. They were saying, don't force yourself in fitness. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like you get all these people out there who are like these fitness, these these like fringe, like fitness gurus, like push until you die. You know, like uh, I had one guy, he called them, uh, what do you call them? Uh, grind gurus. Grind gurus is the thing. So it's just, it's pushing like until you die. And, uh, and they were talking about how, you know, pushing and forcing yourself to, to do better actually is to the detriment of your performance, where if you find a way for this thing to be a part of what you are, Mm -hmm. then you're going to be so much more successful. And that's not a matter of not having a challenge, you know? So what I would, what I would say is that actually you're more of a runner than somebody who thinks that running is about like a regimented, and this is the whole gig with, like what is real fitness compared yeah. to what is not real fitness? Because I think that you doing that get like you doing an impressive feat of human performance, like 
qualifying for the Boston and not having a program um, is actually more real mm-hmm. to get into the Boston than somebody who is just like, I've got a goal. I'm going to force myself through this thing because they're using it as a tool to become a thing as opposed to just being it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big differentiation. Yeah. So I think actually that's an interesting, that is an interesting point. So, so like, what did you do then? How often did you run throughout the week? Um, I was running about five times a week. So I would wake up early in the morning and it was just part of kind of what you meant. It was just what I did. You know, it helped me focus for my day. It made me nicer to everyone that I was around. I, I've just learned I show up better for myself and I show up better for everyone around me. If I give myself 45 minutes to an hour, sometimes it's just 30, whatever it is, I set aside time every day to move. And it is like a non-negotiable. I will find a way to make it happen. Absolutely. Why, why, um, or not why, but when did you first realize like this was not a thing? Is there like a moment like you can remember where... You know, you were like, I need to work out because this thing brings so much to my life. It started in college. I think when I was like really on my own and didn't have a schedule I had to create, right? It's the first time like you're away from your family and like, I need to make a schedule. And in terms of if I had that part during my day, I sat better in class. I could focus better. I had more energy. I think a lot of people are like, well, I can't work out because I don't have energy. And I'm like, it, I, I think it gives you energy, right? It like moves blood around your body. It gets oxygen where it needs to go. And it's it can be a really uplifting thing if you do it for love, not because you're going to grind through something. Right. And so it really um, solidified in college for me that that was a part of what made me my best self. That is so awesome and a great message. Like that's the message is I think is missing because I think that, you know, people look at this in a, and this is the thing you really have to do is change your mindset on yeah. what this thing is. I mean, we all talk about what does that look like? And uh, you can't use this thing as a tool to reach a thing. Like to your point, it's if you come in and you're like, oh, fuck, you know, I got to do this thing that sucks, but that's how I'm going to lose the weight as opposed to being like, man, I really... This is the thing that's going to give me, I'm excited for this thing because this is the thing that gives me my vibrance throughout the day. And whether it's like a mental clarity or a physical feeling that you, you find what you need out of that. And what's so great about this podcast and what you're doing is there's so many ways to move your body that I really believe everyone can find something they enjoy. So the workout isn't a task. It's a form of joy. And I believe that's out there for everyone. That is a hundred percent true. That That's a great point. And it's like, I always say this to my, uh, to my trainers and I just live by this maybe principle or doctrine, whatever we would kind of believe or whatever we would call it. But basically that it's not what, it's not the results that keep clients and members mm-hmm. coming back. It is what keeps them coming back that gives them the results. It's the experience of this thing and it's the mindset, it's the environment, the community and like what it gives, what that gives them for their life literally changes the way that they interact with the, 
just everything. The world. Work, yeah. people, everything. Mm-hmm. And so there's a much bigger fit, much bigger uh, picture to the whole story. So like, and that's why I kind of want to use it. And this is a, an interesting thing with, with running, but I want to, I do want to know a little bit more about like your journey on getting into the, um, the Boston marathon. So you, you qualified and then you were training for it. How long did you train? And like, was it something that you had to mentally get through or? No, it ended up one of my girlfriend's um, she was going to run it too. And so she didn't really have a plan. And now she's like one of the top runners in Calgary. She's like been on Calgary running magazines. Like, so I was like, all right, just tell me what we're going to do. And we would wake up in the morning and we would run. But like, this was pre Apple watches. I didn't have a Garmin. Like a lot of times I would run and then I would go back onto like mapmyrun.com, plug it in, get a calculator. Okay. It took me this long. So what was my pace when I was running? So it was actually, it, it kept it fun. I wasn't stressed about like, oh no, I'm 20 seconds off right. my goal pace. And then I think even when I say that I feel like this, like pressure and stress in my body, which is not why I run. I run to feel free, to feel good. And I didn't want running to feel ooh, kind of. That makes yeah. sense. No, I, I 100%, like, I 100% does make sense. And uh, the Apple Watch is an interesting thing. I I think, like, to some degree, I feel like I don't get a workout at this point, you know, if I don't have my watch oh my God, it's that so records true. it. And so it's like I've done an hour, and I busted my ass, and I feel like, man, nobody's going to know. Nobody's mm-hmm. going to see it. not going to pop mm-hmm. up because I, I follow all my clients on this. And I, I actually love it. I think it's such an awesome idea, and I think it's doing a good thing for movement in its in and of itself, you know, but, uh, it's the, it's just the, now I feel like I'm naked when I don't have it that I don't like, because before to like your point, it was like my workouts for me, it was solely only like what, how, the way that I was, I was, was being yeah. at the time, you know, like I'm not thinking, all right, I've got to get my workout and I got to make sure I get my 60 minutes and I've got to make sure I'm at a certain heart rate or a certain pace, depending <laughs> on what kind of workout I'm doing. And if I'm not doing that, then to some degree I'm not doing enough. And so I feel like I've got to do another 30 minutes or something as opposed to just going out totally. there. Totally. Totally. So like you, you, you didn't have that. That's an awesome thing. That's an awesome thing still though, that you, you push through that and that you had somebody there to keep you, to kind of keep you on point. So your friend who was good at really good at running, this was a, did you think, do you think that this, that this kind of community was uh, kind of community? I know it was only two people, but do you think this was like good for your consistency and then that helped you continue moving forward? Yeah. I think where, what I mentioned where I learned in college is that I actually know what I need. And so I got in a place there. I don't ever need anybody to get me motivated to work out or move because I have enough internal knowledge of like, this is what I need. When I add someone with me, it's fun. It just adds that extra, like you get to share an experience with someone. And I also find I've had the best conversations with people when we're both moving. It's almost like we're able to let our guard down better you're not staring at someone in the eye so you can feel safer to say things with someone. So whether it's a run or a walk or a side-by-side movement, I have the best conversations. And there's no distractions, right? There's nothing else to do but move forward together. I, I again, I just, I agree with you 100%. I think that the, uh, what is that? Is it like, is it 
Not Misery Loves Company, because that's a bad No, no, it is not. That is the opposite of what we're talking about. <laughs> right, no, no, not Misery Loves Company. But that, like, you're, you're, you both are doing something together, and you're communicating on a different, almost like a different energy length, mm-hmm. like wavelength. Yeah. As I, I agree, I think, I always say better together, because I think that bet, we are always going to do better together. So, like, that, that, is, that is absolutely awesome. What do you think it is that makes, what do you think it is that makes that a great experience when you're, like, working out with somebody else, when you're working in a group? Well, it's that energy. You can't replicate that. And I believe it's, think of the opposite of misery loves company. It's like that joy brings joy. I don't know. It can build, like it multiplies exponentially, right? Because how many times in a workout, like you do something great and you like, you just go to high five somebody, like you don't even think about it. Like you immediately want to connect with that person even deeper. Um, like I was just at Orange Theory that, a couple of weeks ago for their mile challenge, and I had two friends, and they're like, we want to hit this time. And I'm like, I'm coming to run too. And to do that side by side with somebody and you pump each other up, I believe when you can get that community energy, you all go even further, farther, faster than you would have alone sometimes because of that group um, power. Yeah, that's that's just 100% right. And so like when you're meeting with with these with her cuz I I meet with a client in the mornings every Sunday for about 4 years. It's crazy. I didn't even realize this. Like he make he brought it up. Uh his name is Tony Crowise, one of my clients. He's been a client for like 5 years and we go we meet Sunday mornings at 5, well, 6 a.m. wake up at 5. Wait, get here at 6 a.m. We do a 30-mile bike ride. We do the same exact awesome. route Sunday mornings. We go down on the riverfront, do a 30-mile bike ride. At conversation pace, we get to the Chain of Rocks Bridge. This is badass bridge that just goes over the um, goes over the the oh my god, I was about to say Illinois River, the uh, Mississippi River, and um, we will all just kind of sit there in the morning. It's early morning. You got like the the morning dew or mist. You have the the Mississippi. Nobody else is out there. Sometimes they don't have the gate unlocked, so then we don't get to do that because we're there too early. But we get there, and then we go past that, but. It's a two-hour endeavor every Sunday morning, and it sucks to wake up in the morning. I will tell you that it. my consistency is not because I want to get up at five in the morning on Sunday, but when I get up, I think it's – and because I've done it so consistently, I've, there's no way I'm that consistent doing 30 miles on a bike ride every Sunday morning unless I meet with Tony and have the conversation that I think helps me – like almost decompress, like not, or get rid of all the weird stuff. And I mean, two hours of conversation with a human being um, on a regular basis, whether it's your friend or whoever who meets with you to, to move, because that's the important aspect. Yeah. It's the movement on the bike. Like you said, it's the, the conversation we get into gets to such depth and such meaning that it could never get to if you were just sitting on a couch in a living room watching a movie or distracted by a phone or an iPad. And, um, and I think that that brings so much to my energy mm-hmm. and I, I couldn't, I couldn't lose it. But I will tell you what, if Tony couldn't make it regularly, I would drop off a little bit, you know, cause yeah. it's really that, it's that, that connection, social connection, mm-hmm. which is, I think is, is just absolutely important. So that, that's really awesome that you had that. And so when, when you guys finally got to the marathon, so how did you do in the marathon for your, like, give us. How was the experience? Because I've heard a lot of crazy stories. It was great. It was the year it was um, like over 96 degrees outside. So they were letting – I know, everyone's eyes. So they were letting everyone defer. 
if you chose to not run the race, you could. And I was like, well, I'm ready. Who knows where I'll be next year? My body will be. So I'm like, well, we're going to run. And it was great. It was, it was to run through a course so like special in history and to have people every inch of the way cheering for you was you'd feed, I fed off of all of that. Only part that like really sucked at the end, my legs cramped, you know, so I'm like smacking my legs trying to go, but it, it was unbelievable and I would not have changed anything about it. Yeah. That's awesome. What a great experience. I'm jealous. I'm on my way. Um, You're going to get there. Yeah. It's the speed, man, the speed. It's the speed. The speed gets me. I can do long distance. I did a 62.5. I did a 100K, a 24-hour, um, which is an awesome race. It's That's a whole different yeah. It's a whole different ballgame. But it was 24-hour race, and I, I did that, but that's not that's not fast. It's not about the speed of it. It's, it's a different monster. It's a different hard. Because I'm going to tell you, like, the to get to what you did is a unbelievable, super remarkable um, accomplishment, which could— Thank Good you. job. That's awesome. And um, it is different. It's a different beast than to try to run nonstop at 100K or I have a goal of 100 miles in 24 hours because I now know how unbelievably insane that really is to right. try to do. Um, but I still have on my vision board that, that You've goal. You've got it. And just change the way you move your body a little bit, you know? Right. So that's what I want to get into because it's like, what is, what do you think the differences between somebody who is able to do that, who is able to do the marathon in under, um, you know, uh, three hours and 20 minutes, which is crazy. Um, and somebody who absolutely can't do it. They keep trying and trying and trying. Like, what do you think the difference is? Like, oh, what is gosh. It? I don't know. I mean, I would for my, I, I have a great run coach that I know, and that's where I would talk to a run coach and say like, look, here's the wall I'm running into. Here's what I'm doing. What do you see in the way I'm training? And what would you suggest? That's when I would defer to the experts. That's awesome. What, like, that's absolutely right. I I, I did a podcast with somebody who said like third, uh, it's you're 33% more likely to accomplish your goal if you get a coach. Yeah. In, well, and I think endeavor. like there's probably multiple, it's Mark Speedwalk, by the way, who's Speedwalk Racing. He's amazing. And Mark Speedwalk. Yeah. He's okay. awesome. Um, and what, I think does two things. It's accountability because you're paying somebody. So you're like, all right, money's going out the door. Where a lot of times running, if you don't have a coach, you don't have that like gym membership fee that, you know, sometimes keeps you going because you know you're paying for it. And then this, it's like running is a science. There's so much data now too you can get between your heart, your heart rate, your time, your splits that they know so much about how you should train to hit those goals and they're great at what they do. So is that what you were kind of meeting with him and he was, it was kind of like fitness consulting and you were being like, you were kind of like, man, I'm not, I'm not hitting X, Y, or Z. And he would kind of sort you out. My goal, I had a stress fracture in April. So my goal was to run my fastest half marathon. So my fastest before was about around a 130. So I wanted to run a half marathon in the 120s. Dude, you're a killer. Thanks. You're thanks. a killer. Thanks. And so I knew I, I couldn't keep doing what I was doing because I could do that without a training plan. So if I wanted to see changes, mm. I needed someone to move my body differently. Okay. And so absolutely. And this is where I want to get into Pilates. I think that Pilates is an awesome way 
to fix what I imagine was the problems that you had. So before we got on, you were kind of talking about some of the problems that were coming up from running so intently. Let's go through that first and then let's go into like your understanding and the science and all this crazy stuff of Pilates. I I absolutely love this and and I can't wait to learn. But first, like you're running, you're crushing it in your runs. You now are understanding that movement is definitely and correct movement is going to change some things. What were the issues you were having? Yeah. Well, I'm also like a runner and I'm like a hit junkie and boxer. Like I do all types of workouts and the workouts I tend to gravitate towards are very high impact, high heart rate, high intensity. Like I'm throwing my body everywhere. And I started to consistently feel more injuries with what I was doing. And kind of like you mentioned with your Achilles, I was like, "Eh, it's fine. Like I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going because that's the mentality, right? Like I'll be fine. And it wasn't until six years ago, I had a, a friend and she said like, you need to come try out this Pilates class. And I was like, Ugh, I'm not going to burn enough calories. My heart rate isn't going to, this isn't going to count as a workout. So before I went to Pilates, I did a three mile run and then I walked into the Pilates <laughs> That's studio. Awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, and. Ooh, that would be killer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I still like, there are times like I still will walk or I'll do a little run before Pilates because that's what my body needs and that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I went into the Pilates and in one of the first couple of classes, the instructor who became my mentor, um, Melissa Clark, she just moved to Boulder. She was so funny. She would just tell me things about my body. She was like, get out of your traps. I'm like, what do you mean get out of my traps? You know, like using these and we were on, um, we did something and she's like, you're actually doing a sit-up wrong. And I was like, say what? Like, do you know how many sit-ups I've done in my life? And it was just little things where she started to correct my form. Um, she, what I joke and what got me hooked is she helped me find my, like my motor. I call it my running motor. It's basically like my posterior chain and my high hamstring glute, right? She helped yeah. me find those, fire those to get out of my overdominant quads yep. and find more power back here. So after this, I'm like, I am hooked. It, I had less injuries I was running my fastest ever because I'm like, okay, I'm finding my right muscles I need to use. My spine is in better alignment. I can take bigger breaths because of this. And I'm like, everybody needs Pilates in their life. And what I think where I am a little different sometimes than most, so it's classical Pilates that I also practice and that I teach. So what's the difference? So first of all, what is Pilates? Okay, we should start there. Yeah, we, we? Well, well, so like you were having, but okay, so you were having issues with your running pain injuries. And so essentially you are finding out now that it's because you weren't firing muscles, you weren't activating them, the communication wasn't there. Um, and this, once you started Pilates, then you're like, oh, damn. And then you, once you started working on it, you started to see efficiencies. You started to yes. see fuller movements, more efficient. You could do more in your workout Feeling for less. better mm. and faster and stronger. And so then you got into Pilates. And so so let's first for just the audience and everybody, like what exactly is Pilates? And then I know you do classical Pilates. So then what's that? Yeah. What is that derivative? How many derivatives are there? Like a zillion now. So, um, okay. So we'll like history. So Joseph Pilates started this method. He originally originally called it contrology. 
So think like control of your mind over your body. And it is what, what, what he believed is he looked a lot in nature and he looked at like little babies and he was like the suppleness of a cheetah, like how like a cat moves that suppleness of its spine and how it can jump. And even if like I have three little boys and I, they can roll and jump and do all these crazy movements with our body that most adults would look at and be like, I would be in the hospital for a week. So he believed it was due to like how we live our lives. Like we all start out with this supple spine and the right movement patterns, like the kinetic chain link system, whatever you want to call it. And then now we're like on computers, we're leaning forward. Um, we're all working out and doing things, but what I mentioned, like most of us are quad dominant, especially females, biceps, like we lose. Oh, why, why females just? A lot of females are just, they tend to be more quad dominant. Just, maybe like, maybe because their hips maybe, are a little wider. Could be. Anyways, didn't mean to interrupt you. No, you're good. <laughs> um, and what the goal of Pilates is to really find uniform development. So every movement, every exercise actually uses your entire body as it should be used. And what that actually requires is slowing down and it's thinking like, okay, what are my feet doing right now? And how are my feet feeding into my hips, which then helps me find my core, which then immediately straightens my shoulders and I can take a bigger capacious breath. Um, So with clients and what I do is a lot of retraining your body how to move in a way that you're using all of the right muscles at the same time. How many people do you think are out there have no idea that they're not using these muscles that give good posture, bigger breaths, more efficient movements? I didn't know until someone told me I was doing it wrong. I'm like, oh gosh, okay. So, and it, it, it is not, I don't think it's not bad because I would, I want people to move, right? Like, and it's not like you're moving wrong. You're doing this bad. My whole thought process on it is like, I like to help people move better so they can do everything else they love to do. So you can do it longer. So you can do it without as much injury. So you can feel better doing what you love. I, I, I'm, one hundred percent. I appreciate that. I totally appreciate that because I I think like most of my clients have been a trainer for about ten years, and you know what I try to let people know is that right off the bat, you know, you you want to do a lot of squats and you want to do you want you want the sexy part of the workout. I want to be sweating. I see the people on Instagram and they got the sweats the sweat going, and that's good too. And you should want that. And to some degree, we have to give you that for sure, mm-hmm. so that you can get that. Uh, that like runners high out of your workout, let's say. But I am fascinated with making small, because it's small movements, it's small positioning movements that make like a, almost an entirely different biomechanical um, movement. Like let's say exactly. the knee in, in front of the toe, get the knee right in the middle of the foot and then sit the hips back a little bit further and then your glutes take over instead yeah. of your quad. And it yeah. could be a matter of it, you know, just a quarter inch. Knees could be too close. Heels just need to be a half inch out, you know, in your squats and things like that. Um, and it's small, small movements. But the, the in you trying to 
feel your body move, feel the individual muscles contract. Like you don't do that very often. You don't take a lot of time. And this is the thing that I think is going to be really cool about um, Pilates and just yoga. I'm a big fan of yoga as well. Um, Is the time that you're taking patients to look inward at your body that you don't for the, like, for example, right now for the listeners and you just think, I mean, right now, and this isn't going to, this isn't going to surprise you, but I mean, think about right now, your whole body, you're not paying it, you're paying attention to my voice, what I'm saying, maybe thinking about what you'll say next. And you're not thinking about like how your socks feel on your feet. But if for a second, you think about how your socks feel on your feet, you can then feel the fabric of your socks. And that is a weird thing that we don't do often, but when we do it often, and, and I don't know if you like um, Andrew Huberman, the Huberman Lab uh, podcast, awesome neuroscience scientist out of, uh, out of Stanford. Um, but in any case, he's saying, like, the more that you spend time to think about your body, to think about your muscles, your blood flow, the tips of your fingers, that the process of taking your sensory organs or sensory um, areas of the brain and focusing in on the muscle contractions that are making the movements happening, you're basically just increasing the, you're increasing your energy, you're increasing, it's the same, again, the same response as as uh, meditation. It's mm-hmm. the same response as meditation. It brings cortisol levels down. It brings, it brings better mood. It increases the vibrance of your life. So like to your, to this whole gig, you really have to be focusing. And I take, uh, and I really, uh, I really appreciate people that take time to be like, Hey, I know we want to get to sweat, but focus on your glutes and then finding ways to activate them. So, so like keep moving through it. So, so with Pilates, you have different variations. Now, what is the difference between these different variations? So there's, so Joseph Pilates, right? He started this thing and then he was out of New York and taught it and him and his wife, Clara. And when he passed away, Romana took over and then it started to sprinkle outwards. So then they're like six Pilates elders is what they're called. So you imagine here's Joe, here's the elders. And then beneath them come all these different sort of variations of what Pilates now is. Romana is who I'm, her lineage. She was directly taught by Joe and left to take over his method from him. So what classical means is there is a set way to move on the mat and on the reformer, on the chair, on the tower, on the Cadillac, on the pedipal with a foot corrector, um, all these different apparatuses that actually Joe created is um, there are certain ways to move and exercises that you perform. So what is your favorite and why? Oh my gosh. Um, Okay. So I used, so originally Pilates started on the mat, no equipment. You're literally on the floor and I've fallen in love with the mat and it's the hardest. And people usually, when they come to Pilates, they're like, I want the reform. They want to be on a piece of equipment, right? Because we think we get a better workout and the mat I love because you can take full ownership over. You don't need anything. It's like running, right? You don't need anything. You just need your shoes and you can go. You just need a space for that. And you can't hide behind equipment. Like you've got to find all the right muscles to move. And um, there's something really empowering about being able to do that, I think, yourself. You can really get a good workout in with just your body. It's really... It's insane. Yeah. 
I love it. And I, I think it's just great. Like it's a tool that when you travel, when you maybe only have 20 to 30 minutes, you can spend that time moving. And with the mat, it's a total body head to toe. And even though you don't use weights, like I feel my triceps the next day. I feel my back because I'm firing every muscle that I need to fire to make all these crazy movements on the floor. And do you think like when somebody wants the, do you think when somebody wants like the other piece of equipment? So I saw that you're on the, this, this piece of equipment and some of your stuff on your page, which was like the reformer. Yeah. What is, so this is the reformer I imagine. It's kind of like a. It's wooden. It has like the like leather top part of it. There's a foot bar. Does it put you in specific positions where you have to hold like isometric contractions? Most of Pilates is continuous movement and flow. So you'll be on there. We start with like a footwork. So you're on your back. There are springs. So the reformer has springs and the springs act like your muscles. So you can add more to get like more support perhaps Mm. in some moves or it feels heavier or you can take away less and you adjust it based on the move you're doing and what kind of support you need. So you were talking about also that there are specific movements. So um, are there names for poses? Is it like the practice of yoga yeah. to some degree? Mm-hmm. Um, what's the, or better yet, what's the difference between yoga and Pilates? And then what is like the structure of Pilates sure. at, at its simplest form? So the I get asked this all the time and I try to make it simple, but it's simple. Okay, so the difference between yoga and Pilates, I'd say what's common is breath between the two, right? Like yoga started as like hatha, basically just your breathing. And Pilates, Joseph Pilates says like, but first don't forget to breathe. So it's all about filling your lungs up with the biggest breath you can. And so I'd say that's common. What the classical Pilates and how I practice Pilates, I think with the focus really on your, like that kinetic chain, again, like that link system is really slowing everything down. And as you move throughout all the exercises, assessing, are you using each muscle as it's meant to fire, right? And um, Pilates is really focused on the powerhouse. So that's like this, if you think about the powerhouse, it's like your abs here, it's your hips, it's like your QL in your back, it's all these muscles. This is what we try to fire in every exercise. It's what moves you first. So even as we're doing exercises like um, arm, like circles like this, everyone thinks about their arms, but what's this doing? And how actually does this lead the movement? And then your arms go. Does that make sense? That totally makes sense. And I love that. It's a good explanation of that. That every movement generates from the core first. Mm -hmm. But people are not thinking about it like that. And yeah. so they have a lot of like lower back issues, most people, mm-hmm. and anterior pelvic tilt. And shoulder issues. You think how often like shoulder exercises, you do things because your shoulder whoop, can go places versus like, are you taking this whole muscle with you? Yeah, yeah. as you do it. And then, you, yeah, so it's, you kind of start going down this, at least I go down this rabbit hole of like, wait, well, this is connected to this. So if I move this and I fire this here, this then turns on and then I can use this better. And that's literally where my brain goes in Pilates because it's all so connected and with people, that's what I watch them do. So like I watch someone start to move in Pilates and I can say, hey, like I notice when you, you know, extend, like you hyperextend your left knee 
okay, if you're hyperextending, that means you're probably not turning on your high hamstring glute or like your VOIC muscle right here above your knee. Yeah, yeah. And so you just start to see that with people and you go, okay, what would it feel like if maybe it's coming because of your foot? How is your foot positioned? Yeah. That could then be... So it's almost like a bit of detective work as well as you see someone going through where, how could you move better? And then I know if I help you move better in the studio, you're going to move better squatting. You're going to move better deadlifting. You're going to move better playing tennis, playing golf, chasing your kids because we brought awareness to some of that movement. Awareness. That's an awesome word. That's what I was going to go with. Absolutely. It's an, it's always a matter of awareness, like finding ways to help them see. I will isolate movements. Like let's say you're, they're over, you're overcompensating with your quad. Mm-hmm. And so you're, somebody's like, man, I've got a problem with my knee. My knees are all beat up, you know, cause like they've been doing a lot of squats yeah. and, and I'll say, well, well, let me see your squat first. And then I see their squat and inevitably they're on their toe and their heel raises up and might invert or extrovert. They might be too, too wide or too narrow. But for the most part, their heel is going to come up and their chest is going to stay up yeah. and it's going to, they're trying to stay on their center of gravity. That's how they're squatting. That's how they're squatting throughout the whole day. That's how they're moving throughout the whole day. So your knee is going to hurt, but it's not a problem with your knee. It's like you have very tight quads because you're always overusing them. And so I say, okay, well, we need to fire those glutes, right? So we put them in that biomechanical position. And then let's say a couple reps go through and they do it well, but then they inevitably fall back into that overcompensation with the quad. So for me, what I do when I have an issue, because it's definitely different per person. It's not like when you bring somebody in, it's not like they just get it because you tell them, you know, you totally. really got to. When you think of how long it takes, your, your muscle's been doing that for how long? Right. And to retrain a muscle like that, like it's, I think that's why a lot of people kind of will get frustrated with Pilates because it's like, you've got to really stick with it, right? Like, and sometimes it can be hard because you're having to tell your body for what, 30 years, Yeah, this is how you've been moving and we're going to try to change that. And your body will try to fight you. It'll go back to the path of least resistance yeah. every time. It's just like those behaviors, you know, like it's the same gig. But <laughs> yeah. you're ex- absolutely right. You've created an, a movement impediment to yeah. some degree. It feels wrong when you do it right. Yeah, That's the hard thing to work around. And so making sure that you tell them and you're confident, especially with like newer trainers and, and newer instructors, is that somebody says, this doesn't feel right. This is uncomfortable. And it's like, and they're also weaker sometimes when you put them in the right position. I was going to say then they might you know? have to go down and wait to turn off those big muscles right, right, and use the right one, which can be like, that can be defeating because right. you're like, this isn't going forward. This is going backwards. So yeah, we talked, we a lot, it's a lot of mental stuff the that goes game. through it as well. You're turning into a different person, literally. You have to be a different thing. You have to be a different thing to move differently and to move differently. You have to think differently and to think differently. You have to move to, it just, it's a circle of like, you very much need to look at this thing. It's not a tool that you're using to become better. There's so much, there's so much importance to moving your body correctly. Mm-hmm. There's so much importance far beyond just your physical health, your social health. And what I mean by this is that a, a strong posterior chain, with good, with a strong posterior chain regularly worked, a person carries themselves with strength. And when a person carries themselves with strength, it get, naturally gives them confidence, but people give them a little more attention only because they have strength. They're protecting yeah. their spine. There's somebody who owns their space. Whether you do or not, it's not the point, but the idea is that we've come to, you see somebody come in, their chest is nice and tall. Their chin is neutral. Their ear is above their shoulder. 
they have, maybe they, it's not about the muscle tone as much as it's about that there's structure to their movement. Their ears don't sag. Their back doesn't bow. We've got a protected back. We've got a tall, powerful chest. Uh, this, this is a powerful stance. This is a powerful stance for your own energy as well as people just pick that up. So it's part of our social interactions. You're not going to be treated the same way if you're walking around. And I'm not saying that you should increase your posture to be treated a different way. I'm just saying just in general, if you're looking for more confidence and you're looking for, that's going to ripple through all of your experiences in life. Just knowing that you need to, you know, pinch the shoulder blades with the teres minor and the depress the shoulder blades, you know, with the teres major and the, and the traps. You don't need to know those muscles, but your back is tightening and things are happening and you're regularly working them and holding them in positions that, that now when you're moving out throughout the day, mm-hmm. you know, you can think about it like, oh, man, Jordan always tells me to keep my chest up and tighten my right. back and depress my shoulders. And that does something with now you go to the interview. If you give an, if you take, if you're, you're in front of three people who are asking you questions and you are going into a leadership position, let's say, and you want to, you want to, you want to amp up in life and you're like, hey, you know, I'm here and, you know, I'm kind of slumped. Then you're, you're not going to give the same energy where you go in and you're strong and you're, you just got done with the workout before you did five miles to get the energy going. You're listening to a podcast, motivational podcast. Right. You, you go in there and you're just like, let's get it. Um, and you may not even know, you might not even know that you're doing it, you know, but in any case, it's, it's something that ripples through every area of your life, I guess is the idea. Yeah. And I also tell a lot of people, um, like a lot of women come in, like, I'm not getting the results in my arms or in my core that I want. Mm. And it also might be because you're not firing those muscles that are actually getting there. You're doing the same movement. You're moving, but which muscles are you firing? And could that be why you're not getting the results that you want as well? Yeah. How long do you think it takes for a person to start to move, you know, well, like more, not robotically, but a little bit more fluent through Pilates? I What I find is people that were athletic or played a sport, but were in, into sports, have a naturally higher body awareness. Hmm. Could you agree with that? Like people Definitely. working out like, so I think awareness we've talked about, that is huge in changing the way that you move because you start to see it through every part of your day and you can start to change it on your own. It's that ownership part that happens in Pilates and that'll happen faster. Um, I would say for most people, like you start to think differently after the first time you take Pilates, second time, the third time. I mean, I've been practicing two to three times a week. I take I take private lessons twice a week where someone teaches me and watches just me move. And I'm still like, oh, like I'm still learning how to consciously move in different positions. Like I think it's a lifelong process. Every morning you wake up, your body feels a little different depending on the workout you did the day before, you might move a little differently. So I, I, what I love about Pilates is there's a constantly, I think, a way to move more fully, more richly, and get more out of each movement of your life. Um, I definitely agree. You're never going to, you always got to be a student. I think just in any, anything in life, like you always have to constantly be the student. You know, you, you never want to be in the spot where you know everything. Because then, you know, if you're not growing. Yeah, the more I learn, the more, I'm like, I don't know. The more you learn, it's almost like you realize the you don't know enough. Like, no, there's always something more to learn. That's exactly right. I, I mean, there is just a, and that's kind of, I, I kind of like that. I like the, 
Um, the idea that I will never know it all because that means this life will always be interesting. I'll always have to constantly be pushing into learning the next new thing. If, if there was a finite amount of things to learn and it wasn't very vast, then it would be very boring. You know, you'd be like, all right, well, there's an, oh my gosh, we're getting a call here in a gym. You don't have to get that. Well, could you just stop? Thank you. <laughs> this is what happens. Caller, caller number one. You have a very, you have like a radio voice. Oh, it's such a good voice. I wish I had a voice. Like it's very, it's, great voice. it's very like, for me, I, I do this a bunch. I've been working on this a bunch. So I say like a bunch. Mm-hmm. You hear the like, I'm, I set the intention today because I went through and I was like, don't say like, don't say like, good. but like keeps coming up and I don't know why. It's very, it's another thing with, with, uh, with, um, awareness. I never knew how much I said like in conversation until I started doing a podcast and I reviewed it to see how my questions were and like, you know what I mean? You have to constantly be refining totally. yourself. And I'm like, man, I say like too much and I got to stop doing that. So now, I, now that I brought it up, I'm going to say like a bunch. But I think what you could try is instead of don't say like, because there's a science where if you say uh, don't you're right. do it, they actually do it. Right. So could you say instead of like, I will pause. I'll pause. Just that's a pause. really that's a really good point, and your owner isn't right. I and I guess pause. that goes to fitness, right? I mean, it's the same. We've been touching on mentally part of things. It's I think also something where even like I'm not gonna, I can't run fast for boss. All those things like you can't talk to yourself, like you can't say the the no or the don't or the right. can't. So what could you switch it with? That's how what I, I'm always saying to myself. How wild is it? How wild is it that? I mean, that's a great. That's that's a really powerful thing. You know how how. Wild is it that just saying, just saying something slightly different, instead of saying, I can't afford this, I just say, how can I afford this? Yeah. I just throw the how and throw the... When will direction. I be able to afford this? What can I do so that I can afford this? Just reframe. Yeah, it's the same totally. it, And it opens, it just opens up. You know, instead of saying like, I don't want to say like... Well, now I'm just thinking, don't say like, so I'm going to say like a yeah. bunch. You're right. You're so right. Just say, you know, I'm going to take a pause instead see how that goes and that's so much better and it offers like a new door for you to just go down and become something different and it's as small as the word why do you think that why do you think you know just one small word change in a sentence changes that you speak out loud or you think regularly changes the directory of your mindset and your actions what do you think it is it it probably Go back to Pilates here. This movement's the same. One, it's an awareness. Here's when I say this. And then it's wanting to make a change. Like some people have to decide. Some people like living in the can't, won't. That's their space they want to be in. So I think it's figuring out, do you want to leave that space? Are you happy in that space? Is that space serving you? If it's serving you, that's your choice to stay there. If it's not serving you, okay, what are some options to shift out of that? I think it's that kind of like process, right? I don't know. Fully, do you think that, um, I think this with just working out in general, I think we train our bodies to tell the mind who's in control. So like the more we move better and the more we spend the patience to take the time, because people always tell me with yoga, what's the, what's the hardest part of yoga for people? The shavasana at the end. Mm. Every yoga instructor I've ever had, I always ask him, what do you think? What do you think the hardest part of of yoga is shavasana. 
not the planks, not doing the lunges, not holding balanced movements in the poses, not, you know, that's not it. What, what they find is the hardest for people is not doing anything at all, being patient, the power of, of patience, the time to look inward, which is so important. And I think that is like one of those things where you're exercising. It forces you to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're doing Pilates, the only two Pilates classes I've taken in my life were unbelievably difficult. And we held movements for a preposterous amount of time, which I loved. And it took a lot of control, effort, mm-hmm. patience through, patience through not, I don't want to say that it's suffering, but it's patience through suffering, allowing your body to struggle, allowing your body to do incorrect movements and then pay attention to those incorrect movements right. to try and activate the correct muscles that line your movement so that things feel correct, things feel better. And then with that practice, because it takes patience, because people don't want the patience, they'd rather do primarily, I want to come in, I don't want to think, put me through the workout, I just want to sweat, I don't want you, I, I don't care about what muscles are firing, you're in trouble. You've got to take patience, right. you know. There was a person that said this, I, uh, I'm a big reader, read a bunch of books. Um, listener, because I don't know, I do a bunch of things. I'm always like one thing after the next. So I can't tell you that I read. I will start. I swear I will. I am going to start reading. There you go. <laughs> By when? I'm going to start reading. You know what? I'm going to read 10 pages out of Think and Grow Rich today. Okay. It's in my book bag. There you go. There Everybody go. has that. We're going to check in. Let's go. Absolutely. You know what? It's, yeah, it's, it's on. It's recorded. The, it's recorded now. You know what? I'm going to message. Can anybody who jumps in on this like it? I'll message you. And then Laura, I'll message you. Because that's, that's actually good. I want to do that because that'll help me with all this other Not you want it. You will do that. I will do, I will do this. I will yeah. do this. Where, where is I, I've done a lot of goal setting work with people too, which is why that just kind of came on. And you're 100% so. right. And I do this too. And I should be on top of this. You know, I should be on top. Why everybody of needs a coach. That is absolutely right. Yeah. You are 100% right, right about that. And I have, an, I have an executive coach for business because I run this business. And I, I'm not like... He's kind of, imagine the form for business, mm-hmm. spending the patience required mm-hmm. to form for business. I have a coach for that because that's definitely not my strong suit. My strong suit is just the motivation that I give my clients and the relationships that I build with them. And really just like the passion for understanding this whole crazy thing and how it helps you. Um, no, but, but in any case, what was I saying? I was saying uh, patience. Slowing down patience for the Pilates oh. to... So I was reading a book called The Hard Thing About Hard Things. And um, basically this book is just about building business and how hard it is and all that. But there was a person that they mentioned was a professor, I think, I think out of Harvard that has, uh, that's w- within the art area of things. So people don't really understand art. Um, the, their, their bit was like, hey, here's the, the real thing about art. You have to sit and ponder on a piece for three hours. That's the gig. So they did that. That was the first assignment for all the people. You have to go to a place, sit your ass down, find a piece, any piece. But once you pick it, that's it. You can't change. And then you have to just stare at it, ponder on it, take notes on it for three straight hours without moving. If you have to use the restroom, okay. But reluctantly, she allows you to do that. You're supposed to stay there and you're supposed to just ponder on it. And the first 10 minutes, there's a physical discomfort. Like, well, maybe I picked the wrong one. I'm uncomfortable just hearing that. (laughs) It's a long time. (laughs) It's it's definitely like for somebody, for somebody who's like, man, art is stupid or art doesn't make any sense to me uh, or anything. Anybody who's just impatient, which I think is most of us, the, the exercise, the exercise is the power of patience. 
And so basically what, what happens is you sit down and you pick a piece and you pay attention to your mind what happens. That's the gig at first. You're not even looking at the piece for the first 30 minutes. You're just trying not to like lose your mind from sitting down in one space thinking maybe I picked the wrong one. Maybe this one isn't good enough. Maybe there's nothing interesting about this one. I should have picked something I like more. And you're having this, all of these crazy conversations in your mind on why you should leave. In any case, after about 30 minutes, 45 minutes go by. That's when you, you give up on all that and you start to really look at the details of the piece. Like you start to see why things, what things might mean. You start to think maybe this means this, maybe that means that. Maybe there's a lot more to the cup that's sitting there. I didn't even realize that was there. Like why that color? What's the importance of the color of that in that particular thing? Those all, now you start to see more and more meaning seeping out of this picture on the wall that most people walk by and give no and relevance to. But it's the patience of focusing your effort Focusing your mind, your body, because in your time on a thing starts to bring meaning and vibrance to something that may have been something you thought was trivial and mundane. Mm-hmm. And so like when it comes to art, it's very much like that, that concept, but it's the same thing with the body. You have to think there is so much more to spending intense intense, I want to say intense, an intense focus on how your body moves. So for you, I've got a question for you on what you think on this, because I spend a lot of time on small movements. I hurt my shoulder about um, a year and a half ago. It took about eight months of trying to correct. I still haven't mm-hmm. hurt my shoulder. It caused this overcompensation from my anterior delt. And it's very hard now for me to keep my shoulders depressed and pinched through like pull movements and things like that. Um, the right just wants to move up. It's not hurt. It's not hurt anymore. There's no injury, but for, for some, and there's no lack of range of motion, but for some reason I don't get the same engagement because of that lack of range of motion, right? So I'm spending all of this time almost robotically making the movement as perfect as I can. And sometimes I feel like it, it, because I do that so often, I'm, I never don't work. I do 45, 60 to an hour and a half every day. It doesn't matter how busy I am. I will not. It's not a negotiable. So, and when I'm spending the time focusing on these movements, when I'm doing them, um, just with myself, my craft, I start, I'm starting to feel, let's say, um, almost robotic in my movements. Maybe it's too robotic. The flow in my movements now are good and I'm activating the right muscles, but is this a t- to the detriment of the synergy yeah. and the muscles around the prime movers? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, do you think that just working isometric muscles and focusing on specific prime movers causes then an impediment in and of itself? Maybe there's too much focus. Yeah. What I love about Pilates is that I mentioned the word uniform development. So there is mm. no like... I'll never say this is um, a tricep exercise. I'll never say this mm. is a glute exercise. Nothing is one specific exercise. I love that. You should feel everything full and total bodied through every movement in Pilates. Now, sometimes um, I'll choose based on how a class is moving a theme, right? And so I, we can't overcorrect because that's not fun for anyone. And you want to move. And that flow is great because that gets the blood going to your organ, right? It like, I always know it's a good move when someone gets a little rosy in the cheeks, right? Or you see their color change because the blood's going there. I don't ever want to work someone so much that it's just like, 
this boring kind of thing here. So what I'll do is keep moving. And maybe by your fifth or sixth movement, or by the end of the class, you'll be able to turn that muscle on because we've been talking about it the entire time. So like I'll use an example. So with something being total body, we do something almost every Pilates class called the 100. You've probably seen it. It's like a core exercise. Like your legs are out in front of you. They're in Pilates V. They're pointed. Your arms are by your side and you're kind of up in this boat shape-ish almost. And you pump your arms. You inhale for five, you exhale for five, right? So what's happening here is you might think, well, it's a core exercise, sort of. Your feet, your, your hips and your low belly have to hold your legs out. So you're working that high hamstring glute and your low belly has to be super toned to hold it. You're also slightly curled. So your upper belly is on. And as you pump your arms, it's your tricep and all these muscles in your back that are working together. And you're using your breath, breathing in all the way up through your lungs, exhale back down for an even deeper belly contraction. So that's like one exercise where you think, okay, this is how we look at Pilates always. What are your feet doing? What are your hips doing? What's your powerhouse doing? And how is every muscle working together to get the most out of this exercise? I love that. Just, just the synergy of the body and not not taking like a pharmaceutical approach yeah. almost to like yeah. how you how you are like working the body. Yeah. I it's it's the same thing with almost nutrition. You can't think about nutrition in the way that people think about it, in the way that people think upper or lower body. So you're not big on like saying we were going to do this to work on our chest. It's going to be, we're going to work on this area. And And I'll often say to people like, your arms move because your core moves. And um, so I started teaching this class too at the boxing, um, St. Louis Boxing. And it's a mix. So it's 10 minutes Pilates, 10 minutes boxing, 10 minutes Pilates, 10 minutes boxing, five minutes of Pilates. And I've boxed for like 20 years and I'll like um, have worked in the ring with mitts, like a love to hit things. And Joseph Pilates was actually a boxer. Hmm. And so what I think this relates to most people that work out all the time, how I break the class down is I talk about like, what's your boxing stance? Where are your feet? How are your feet feeding up into your hips? When you throw your cross, what muscles are you actually using to throw? Right, You have to fire your hip and you have to use that high hamstring glute to turn it. And then you have all these obliques turning on and your arm goes and you punch harder, not because your arm is like in a bar fight. You punch harder because the transfer of energy goes through your core, Mm. right? And so you think of how you throw a punch, you fire your legs, this takes the energy up into your arms. doesn't matter how hard you throw your arm, how strong your arm is, it's where this energy is coming from in your powerhouse. So that's how I look at it from like an athletic perspective or like a squat, you want to squat more. Okay, like I I talk about the feet a lot, like even here while you're sitting down, anyone can do this at home. So feel like your arches of your feet, right? That's like, if you don't, your your arches are like where like your shoe goes up and imagine you could lift those arches up into you. Do you feel just even that lift turns on your body? One more thing. This one's fun too. So put your heels together in Pilates V. So that means your heels squeeze together. Your toes are slightly out. Heels stay together, right? And now actively try to pull apart your heels while not taking them apart. 
What muscles do you feel? Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> That's good. Uh, the bit of the glutes, like lateral. Yeah, pot. like yeah. all these outer muscles. So I talk a lot about feet because it's wild when you engage them differently, how you turn on different muscles here. Well, that's, that's awesome. And I love that about like the cueing, the cueing there was really good. Like that was really good cueing, um, cueing thing. Uh, the best cue, like a uh, cuer, I guess, is that the way? Cueist, a cuer. I don't know. We'll have to figure that out later. <laughs> a cue, the best cueist <laughs> that, uh, I've ever, I've ever worked with was a, a, uh, um, uh, a uh, yoga instructor. Her mm-hmm. name was uh, Alicia Richards. She, uh, we lost her because she went to Fiji to like live in a place and teach yoga out in Fiji. I was like, dude, that's right. And, my, and you know what? This is the thing about yoga instructors, particularly. And I actually have a question for you on why why Pilates and not yoga. Is there something more? Is there is there like a spiritual difference between between that and this? But in any case, before we get there, because I'm going to go there, but because uh, I definitely want to know a little bit more about that. I'm wondering if if there is a difference. But they're very free-spirited instructors. They do all sorts of crazy, wild stuff. I mean, they're like the nomads of the fitness world. I would agree. And they just do whatever, wherever. It doesn't matter. Um, and I love that free spirit. And Sarah was our last yoga instructor here. She went to just like, hey, I'm going to be, go become a physical therapist and like live in, I believe, I don't know if it's Auckland, Australia. It's, it's somewhere in Australia, one of the major cities on the, uh, on the coast. It's just like up and went yeah. to Australia. So uh, Fiji and then Australia, I'm like these yoga instructors just moving away to islands and <laughs> good life. World. Like we should all be yoga instructors. Right. Like the, and um, we I have a I have a podcast with uh Sarah Gobble. She was the instructor that last our last yoga instructor and uh that conversation is really crazy. So like what is the uh so for you like yeah. what is the what is the difference just before we get continue on the last bit. So is there a spiritual difference? So what is it? Well, I mean, yoga is like a spirit. The history of yoga is beautiful. Um, There's a book called, I think, How Yoga Works. It's actually a cool book you should add to your list. How Yoga Works. And it's about the history and just the richness of the roots of yoga. And it's beautiful. And Pilates, he took some things from yoga. He took some things from like the Romans and like Greek and all these different movement systems. And why I personally chose Pilates over yoga is because to me, Pilates was like that detective movement system. Yoga, I like, I can go, I can breathe, I can flow. When I'm in Pilates, I'm thinking like, how do I move my body in the best Mm. way so I can perform my best? Because that's what I like it for. That is a great distinction because that's very much the difference if that's the case. Um, Because I definitely agree. In yoga, it's like, maybe you do this. Maybe your body moves this way. Yeah. You know, the, the terminology is like, maybe. Don't come in here thinking. It's very much more the, for me, yoga is very much more the practice of breathing. Mm-hmm. You know, presence, patience, uh, just feeling how your body releases certain types of energy, you know, um, in different movements. So you always hear about the energy that's being released. All your chakras. And the sh- the chakras. chakras in yoga. I, yeah. Do you believe in any of that? Do you believe? Yeah. You no, believe I, and I, I think a lot of energy stuff. Like I worked for a yoga company for like over 10 years. So I've done so much yoga. And I think what's good for yoga and Pilates, and this is what we, in the beginning, there are different types of yoga and different right. types of Pilates so that anybody could find their jam in either one of those things. So I always say if you, in any class, if you ever try something and you don't love it, don't write it off. It might just not have been your style 
the instructor, something maybe didn't work for you in that. The instructor is super important. Totally. And, and it totally makes like the complete difference for yoga. I've only done two Pilates classes. I should do, I should do more. I should do more Pilates you should classes. Come to I, should come to, I should come to your place in Clayton 100%. You know what? I will. I will do that. I am going to go. Yeah, we'll, be good. we'll set that up. I will set that up because I, I just had STL. I had a cryo, uh, Celsius cryotherapy in here. Yeah. And I, I have done their stuff before. And I've actually met those guys before when I was working on it. I love cryo. I'm a big fan. Yeah, 100%. Dude, that podcast was really interesting. We, we got into it on like all of the, the current science that's coming out and all that. Uh, but then they were like, hey, you should come out and do it again. And I was like, you know what? I really should. I really should go do that. I wish I could have it. What do you say? It's $55,000 for one of those cryo chambers. $55,000? That's a nice car. But if you could get, if you could shock your body in three minutes every single morning, um, you would be. You could ice bath. People are so big in that ice bath. I, I, I am a huge, I love ice baths. I like, I 100% I'm, an, I'm like, I'm for ice baths, but it's 15 minutes and it's a lot of work. So the consistency in that just is not there, actually non-existent yeah. um, for me. So that's where I'm like, I do definitely just, and it's a bias. It's totally a bias. And, I, and talking about it, we were just. We went over that because I said, what's the, what's better? You know, cause obviously that's the business Yeah. and, uh, theirs is five times faster. So and I think. It's so convenient. You walk in, they give you a robe, they give you socks, little mittens. It's kind of a lovely experience. Right. And, uh, uh, Dave, Dave is just, he's, he's a rock star. That guy's a champion. I love his personality. He's got a lot of energy. Uh, so yeah, like those, those guys are, those guys are dope, but where were we going? Why would it, why did I go into that? Oh, so I will go, I will go try out, I will oh, yeah. go try okay. out your Pilates class. What's, uh. We'll talk about that, like what, what, like if you have any deals or if you have like first workout free and all that stuff, because we definitely want to send people your way. Uh, but in any case, so all right, so the spiritual bit. So did they take any of that spiritual chakra energy and bring it over, or is it is it primarily the mechanics? It's the breath is I'd say the biggest connector between the two is the importance of the breath, um, the flow. So a principle of Pilates is flow. I think you find flow in Pilates and you find flow definitely. And they call it a yoga flow. So you find it in yoga as well. So there are similarities. And then I said, I think the difference um, in the Pilates that I practice and teach, it's a lot more like, let's slow down and look at how your body is moving. And like, I also speed people up sometimes too. Like there are, it's an, it's a choice, right? Like, okay, today the focus of the class is going to be like, we're not going to be perfectionist about your movement. We're just going to go through the exercises. You're going to get your heart rate up. You'll get a good sweat because we're just going to move today. So that's also, I don't want to make this sound like I'm like over here nitpicking every, that's not fun. So like there are times like for my own practice and probably in the gym, like you decide here's the focus today. Maybe the focus is just to move and to breathe and feel good. Other times, like, hey, let's slow down. We're actually going to focus on this skill. We're going to focus today on extension. And we're going to work on lifting your collarbones, dropping your shoulders, getting a bigger, expansive breath. So when you extend, you don't fall into your low back as you have been lately, for example. Yeah, and I, I think you're right. There's definitely also a different intention and energy in the people that you're working with that like you can feel mm-hmm. and so that you know, all right, I'm going to be super hypercritical today on this, but you come in, you're a little irritated. Uh, one, I get this like very in-depth with personal training one-on-one. Yeah. Is that, you know, you might have somebody three, four times a week for an hour every week. Um, so you're spending a lot of time with this person. You're really getting to understand like what part of the day, you know, when they come in is good and bad, 
what's going on in their life specifically, like kids, kids going to school, busy schedules, wife, travel schedule, all that stuff. You're really getting a a, a really good look at. So when somebody starts coming in, they're looking to build strength. Maybe they're losing, looking to lose weight. They're looking to increase their biomechanics. They want to do things like that. And um, you're going to change it based on change what you might have had set. That's why I think there's absolutely no real standard to train it, personal training, the craft mm-hmm. of training personally, anybody, or just training people in general. Like it's just, there's no standard. There's a guideline you follow. And depending on the instructor, um, and depending on how the the instructor runs the class, I think is where you really, that's why you can't go online and get the same Pilates class you can get if you go to Pilates. Mm-hmm. And I, I would guarantee that I've only done two classes and I, it's the same thing with any fitness class. It's just going to be a little bit different. Um, no matter what, depending on the person, because of how the person will deliver that particular workout based on the energy that the person has or, you know, the type of movement, maybe it's really frustrating for them to like, they cannot get the movement that you're trying to get them through, no matter what you do. What do you do in that case? My hands. So Pilates yeah. is so hands-on. Um, like I will, I a lesson for a girl this past week, I literally like got under her and held up her whole like back so she could feel more belly in the hundred. Mm. The one I explained, right? So I'm holding somebody up to do that. I'll say, give me your legs, push your legs onto me. I'll, you know, I'm like, I get a workout monkeying around these bodies, trying to get them to feel the right thing in their body. So it is a very, um, and like what you had mentioned, so it's also group classes are different, right? Like group classes are a bit more energy, more things. And then the individual ones, like it's very like we are, I call it like a dance. We're Mm. in a dance together where I'm feeling what you're feeling in your body and trying to help be your extra muscles your extra thing so you can get the richest experience out of each movement. That is fundamentally the the difference is like the level of attention and how aware you are of the person particularly who you're And the anatomy, right? Like how do the muscles, where are they supposed to go? A lot of time on like bony landmarks. When someone walks in before that, I, I look at them like, where are your shoulders? Where like, where are your hips? And it's a quick assessment of like, what are they walking in like today? So I, you know, everyone. Yeah, 100%. That's how I look at each body every time. And based on that, it's like, hold on, this is how we're going to adjust some movements just based on how you walked in the door. When you are like out in public, do you ever just like watch people's movement and go, I could, too much glute, <laughs> too the, much quad. The gym, <laughs> the gym is the worst. Yeah. I like have to like, because um, we go to like, we go to like a gym, you know, there's whatever. And I go there quite a bit because they've got childcare for my kids. And I have to like wear horse blinders because yeah. I want to go help people. Like, hold on, let me help you like feel this. I'm like, just don't say anything. Yeah. And it could be something quick too. Like in an open access gym, somebody's doing something God awful. And you're like, man, this is quick. This is quick. I could I go over like there. You're going to hurt yourself. Shoulder. Don't Listen. do that. Don't do that. But no. just go over, give them a card. Be like, just, <laughs> I want, I, I have the desire to help you. I know you, you're not asking for it, but like, I have the desire. And uh, you could be so much better if I did. I uh, I 100% feel you on that. Yeah. I used to work, when I was in college, I used to work in the recreation center. First time I ever became, actually the, the story of how I became a personal trainer is actually funny, but but uh, I first got a job as a personal trainer. At part of the personal training job was that you also had to be a weight room attendant. So while I'm also in the 
school for kinesiology and exercise science. That was my bachelor's degree. Basically, I'm in this gym watching people do things incredibly wrong and wanting to just walk over and just be like, sometimes, and I have to tell you when I was younger, sometimes I would because I would be like, man, this is just dangerous. This is, and that's basically what the attendant bit was. So it was kind of my job. Um, was to just kind of go up to people who are doing some preposterous stuff in the gym. Uh, but sometimes it's, it's, it's movements in the back because I get a little cringy when I see people doing heavy hinge movements Mm -hmm. where they have like a, uh, maybe a bow in the lower lumbar spine to bring it up and they're, they're not active in bringing that hip up and rotating. Picture exactly that. You you know what I mean? And, And it's like, they have no idea. They just want the weight. They want the weight. They want the weight. They want the weight and they can do the weight. But I'm going to tell you right now. Um, we have a client that really was pushing and pushing and pushing and taking no rest, working on six times a week, but pushing it for need the RP, need the RP, need the RP. Uh, I'm saying RP, PR, I'm sorry. Need the PR. I'm saying RP, rate of perceived exertion. PR. (laughs) That's how we do intensity here, but PR, we're thinking personal record, personal record, need the, need it, need it, need it, need it. Okay. We want to push you to that, but we also need to make sure that we are like, taking the rest days, allowing our body to recover. Any case, we have a client that had just slightly lift, uh, lifted a hex bar, which is meant for us to be more safe on the lower back. So mm-hmm. we're doing, we're like, hey, you're beat up. We shouldn't do barbell. We're going to go hex bar. We're going to keep the back as, as straight as possible. Thing about it is that it wasn't a matter of the bow in the spine. It was a matter of like the lateral slant. So when she came up, one arm came up, quicker than the other and then herniated this now a slight herniation that just caused radiating pain it wasn't like something that is you know debilitating but still herniated this and you herniate this all the time for all sorts of different reasons but this happened particularly because of a probably a quarter inch of one arm lifting over the other and then causing that spine to kind of go if, if your spine was this way, I suppose it went that way <laughs> slightly, about a quarter inch. So I always say it is, it is a matter of sometimes only a quarter inch in the hinge movements when it comes to spine. And so like, I won't go any heavier. I'm going to coach, I'm going to coach less weight so that you can focus the movement. And I think when it comes to movement pattern, and I've helped, I've helped uh, a, a lot of people make kind of fix these different um, motor impediments, like caused from mental issues where the number one, which is crazy, there's 20 year old, well, she, she, at the time she was 46 when she came in, but when she was 24, she had a, a ACL tear and then that was her bad knee. Right. And she continued to limp even after the knee was fully healed. So that limp that didn't need to be there was totally mental, but for t- about 20, roughly 22 years, she just kept doing that. So it caused all of these issues that are caused from, you know, the synergy of the body and how it moves. Like you were saying, she had this bad limp. She had all these issues that were causing it. It took us about a year and a half, three times a week to do monotonous, repetitive movements, focusing on specific muscle groups through that movement. Mm-hmm. So strength movements like Pilates, holding isometric, isometric um, contractions, in the muscle to build the foundation of strength and awareness, but then to run the actual flow of movement. So for you, which I'm, which is my next question, or it was my next thing I want to kind of get a little bit more into and see what your thoughts are on this, because I love it. Um, you need to build the awareness and the activity of the muscle through isometric poses, focusing on those movements. And then you need to do something 
repetitively that requires your body to work in synergy when you're focusing on muscles that are activating, but they're activating within synergy with the body. Like you said, you can just stand still and punch as hard as you want, but it's never going to be as strong as if you load the leg, twist the core and have energy drive through the leg, through the body, and then come out through your fist. Right. Right. So like the, our movements very much are, are synergy from top to bottom. Mm -hmm. It's not like upper body, lower body day, you know what I'm saying? And so basically that is a really interesting thing. Do you think to some degree that helps you with your boxing and to, and to what degree do you think it helps you? Oh my, a hundred percent. That's what I, what I love about Pilates in general. Like I mentioned, it helps you do everything better because it lets you know, here is the muscles you need to fire from to get the best results. So from boxing, right? Boxing is, you see like boxers, like they're doing sit-ups. It's all about your core, right? Like every boxer. And what I believe is like Pilates is like a total body movement. And it's not like one static movement in Pilates. It's taking your body through extension, through flexion. You're taking it through rotation. You're taking it through all sorts of bending. You take your body every single direction in one class in Pilates. And they're all planned appropriately. Like you start with flexion because you're used to that. Then comes extension. Once your body's a bit warm, you always have some sort of twist in there and bending. Like we, we bring all of those movement planes and directions, which I think is huge in like boxing. You think of boxing, right? Cause you're extending, you're flexing. And when you're in close, like you're constantly having to like, you think a slip is really a side bend, right? It's a crunch. Um, you use all of those in boxing. So yes, the core is directly related and the way Pilates looks at it is you move this all different planes and ways to get at your core from every direction. So, so like you could essentially, so essentially not that you could, but you should find some way to exercise in a way where you're focusing muscle groups specifically in one case. And then in another case, you're using that to facilitate something that's like you said, like that, that more functional, that more practical movement. Mm -hmm. And I think that's more holistic. Do you do anything else outside of Pilates and, um, Pilates and boxing. And if you do, why? Um, I still do everything. So I run a lot still. And the Pilates and running goes completely hand in hand because you think of like how much, like even like when your leg drives, right? Like when your knee comes up into flexion here, then you have to go back and extend it. Straight up. Yeah. And I always tell runners, how tight are your hip flexors? every runner, yep. because you're not using those right muscles, yeah. right? So um, for me, running and Pilates are also hand in hand. And how often when you get tired and running, mm -hmm. does this start to happen? And then you can't breathe as capaciously and fill your lungs. So you have to strengthen all of these back muscles to keep this up and take a bigger breath when you're running. Um, your arm movement is huge. So there are... I mean, I could go on and on about the connection there as well. No, keep going on yeah. because I'm telling you, I'm telling you, like, this is something that people don't realize. People say to me, well, it's just running. You can't just go out and run. If you, if, if you need to go, you can go, my dude. I didn't know if you were like heading out or not. Sorry, guys. I, I have to edit this out. I was just talking to our producer. He had to bounce it a little early. In any case, um, 
what the hell was I saying? We'll cut all that out. Where are we at? 122. <laughs> so running. Um, so, okay, yeah. So when I'm running, I'm a big runner. I run all the time. I use it for like my soul. Mm-hmm. Like that for me, you know how you listen to certain music? You'll, li- you'll listen to certain music to get like a run in. You'll, you'll listen to certain music maybe if you're sad. You'll listen to certain music if you're hanging out with your friends, if you're with your family. There's, it's a different context depending on the situation. Um, people are like, what's your split? I'm like, my split is how do I feel? And that's what I'm going to yeah. do. Right. And like, what am I? So like, if I feel a certain way, I, I'm pent up energy. I need to do something. Running's going to be the gig. But during that run, this is part of what I think makes it so, so beneficial is I, when I was, when I used to run, when I was in track, I had such bad knee pain mm-hmm. and I was like, man, you know, and I was just thinking running is just bad for the knees. You know, people just say all running. the time people say that, right. Running is not bad for the knees running incorrectly is bad for the knees. Not paying attention to what muscles are firing during running is bad for the knees. Mm. And so once I, I, I read a book called born to run and it really good goes book. good book. Yep. Uh, and those, which, Oh my gosh. So what was what, anyways, we got to talk about that book. Cause there's a, the, there's that like tribe that basically they run marathons every day on barefoot and get hammered drunk afterwards. Like every night I love. The yoga instructors are with them. I feel like 100%. The that, right there, they like, all are in the same family. In spirit, 100%. Which, I, again, like that's, that's the realest thing possible, I think. But uh, in any case, so, so like if when you're running, I am thinking about like my calves and how my calves are rotating my ankle in and out so that I strike correctly. I'm mm-hmm. thinking about my glute activation and a full extension mm-hmm. in that triple extension to keep the run economy good. So yeah. I don't want to have not a long enough gate. I want to make sure that the flight face is long enough. Not that I'm thinking about that, but I know that if I'm firing, if I'm not firing my glutes, I'm probably losing 25% of my stride, mm-hmm. which means I'm doing, I'm, I, it costs me more energy to cover less space. Totally. And so when it, when it comes down to it, just trying to focus on certain muscle activation increases efficiency of movement, but I can't just run. I can't just run. If I just ran, I wouldn't be able to build that foundational communication. You know what I mean? That's so interesting. So, so when you're running, do you have people that come to you? Like what's the primary demographic of people that come to you that, and what's their number one problem that you, that you hope with? It's, it's a total mix. So I have in my classes, there's people from 70 to 20 year olds. And then in my privates, like it's, um, the latest one was 20 weeks pregnant. Um, some people that are athletic, my husband who's had three hip surgeries. I mean, it is, everyone can benefit from Pilates 100%. I find I love to work with like athletically minded people because that's how Pilates, that's what brought me to Pilates and that's what works in my brain. It's like when you were talking about running, I actually, I think of the body organization when I do a body scan all the time, I always start with my feet and go up because my feet are what ground me and connect me to the earth. So when I think of running, that exercise we did with our arches, right? So I feel that arch energy. So when I think of my feet hit the earth, I'm pulling energy from the earth up into me. I'm not pounding down into the earth. So I think that when I run up, I feel my femurs go up and in. So it becomes this like up and in movement that starts with my feet. That makes sense. That kind totally of, does. And I kind of think of like Sonic the Hedgehog because like the legs yeah, yeah. go like this. Yeah, so yeah. I think I of that like yeah. movement of my feet drawing energy up and then up through my femurs that feeds up into here, allows me to take a bigger breath and it's this constant upward forward movement. 
So you are thinking, oh, this is interesting. So you are thinking when you're running, not only muscles specifically, but you're thinking more, you're, you're utilizing like imagery. You're, so, you're a lot of imagery, right? Like I'll be like for footwork, like imagine you could pick up, like you're an eagle and you're picking up this fish. Imagine like your head's a balloon and it keeps lifting off of your body. Um, constantly like using imagery for your body, for its movements. Why do you think it's so, because you mentioned like the energy of the earth yeah. and your connection to it. Mm-hmm. This this is an interesting thing for me. I think that exercising outside, doing all of this helps you to be aware of the energy that you absorb yeah, yeah. from around you. So I think part of exercising, working your body is also a form of you connecting to what we came from, which is nature, which totally. is the natural, right? Yeah. There's a guy named Joe Dispenza. He talks about, uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza, he talks about the metaphysical and how physics, like he basically is relating modern physics to the spiritual world. Like, because it's basically the same thing. The energy is the way that a scientist that doesn't believe in the spirit, like will define energy is the same way that somebody who defines spirit in the way that they do defines energy. Mm -hmm. It's the same definition. So it's like, no matter which way you look at it, it's the same yeah. thing. Energy is this weird thing and it creates and permeates everything. Yeah. And, and I think of it like in Pilates, I use the soles of the feet a lot. Cause it's like, yeah. you think it's like an entryway into, and there's like, it's your palms are one. There are certain parts of your body that are one. And when I mentioned earlier, if I noticed somebody like hyperextension, that's a block of energy huh. is another way to say it. Right. Because when you hyperextend in any exercise, that energy can't flow up into the muscle you're actually trying to work. So either way you want to say it, right? Like energy up into, or like, hey, you're hyperextending, so you actually need to release tension here so you can feel this muscle fire. You could take huh. it as... <laughs> I love that. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that. I love that cue. And like where else, like where are you holding tension right now that you don't need it is mm. another huge one that you see in Pilates, right? Like we're actually working this party body part and like right now, like yeah. your your pinky finger is like going wild. I'm like, does it? So I'll go, I'll like pet people's hand, like release here. You don't need it here. Yeah. So that's energy too. That's so, that's such an awesome perspective of hyperextension that you're blocking energy. Mm-hmm. Um, you're blocking the energy that could be used because of like this could weird... flow through, right? Like, oh, yeah. So I do love that. Mm-hmm. And I love, I just, I love the way that you, you talk about the movement of the body in relation to energy flow and the connection to the, the earth and that it, it runs through you. That is awesome. I do a lot of energy. Uh, I don't know if I would do this on purpose. This just sort of starts to happen as you start running. And again, the runner's high is, I, this is like the, the meditation bit, but I very much start to, f- to imagine like actively voluntarily mm-hmm. imagine at first like the environment kind of off gassing a little bit that that's a word almost mm-hmm. like something is perspirating but that is energy flowing in yeah so as i'm running i'm absorbing the sun i'm absorbing the trees i'm absorbing the wind i'm absorbing the the plastic bag that's rolling along i'm absorbing the buildings in the clouds all of these things around me i'm looking at them like they're different energy bits that are giving me the the energy to run the run to get through the run. It's yeah. like it really does. I absorb it as like fuel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm thinking about it like I'm absorbing it as fuel, yeah. and it is giving me this mental strength to keep pushing forward. When I did the 24 hour race, that was a uh, crazy. That was nuts. 
And, uh, and I loved it, every bit of it, because what happens is you're out in the woods and you're running around a two and a half mile loop for six hours. And then you switch six hours and then you switch six hours and you watch the sun come down and then you watch the sun come up and then you watch the sun come down all, you know, you're watching the full cycle in real time, which is like in my mind, I think about it like it happened a lot faster than it actually yeah, did. That's a good thing. Which, which is wild. Um, but there is like, you take the music out, sick of it. You take, you, there's nothing in your mind. There's nothing in your, it sheds everything. The, the pain of your body like is a good thing it sheds all the bullshit the only thing that stays is what gives you energy so the most energy producing things around you give you energy uh it was 12 hours in it was i can't remember midnight two maybe two in the morning i'm by myself i'm running I'm looking up as a full moon it was a beautiful night a mm-hmm. uh, bit windy i was looking at the moon and looking up at, and the moon kind of brought my eye up to the stars and i was dealing with a lot of pain uh my uh this was not so long after my Achilles tendonitis, um, which, so I'm dealing with the, the pain of the Achilles tendonitis because it's inflamed as all get out. So it's Your causing... Your body's probably inflamed at that point. Right. It's, it's immense. It's, it's, a, it's immensely painful to con- just continue moving your body like that. So like, I'm just doing everything I can to continue moving my body, right? And so the, like, I have no time or any energy to think about things that don't give energy like i get to i get to be here you receive you're in a receiving and the looking up at this at the moon and the trees i got into thinking man you know this is a weird perspective that i wish everybody had at one point in time and depending on what you believe like we were out in the woods and the woods and nature and the animals it all works in synergy there's there's every single thing has a purpose for how things move and it all moves together and all moves within the same mechanism. And you are part of that thing. And the moon and the stars were a thing that we would use and tell stories about at night. We would be aware of the changing trees and all this stuff. And while I was paying it, while I was thinking of that, like, wow, you know, we're in these boxes, these houses that that, that separate us. Like, like you think I'm in my home and now I'm in the woods. It's a different place, but mm-hmm. maybe you're more at home when you're in the woods in that when you watch that, they watched it communicate. They watched the trees communicate. They watched the animals communicate and move and work together. And, and it was all part of it. And I think like that thinking about that to some degree nowadays mm-hmm. will help you. I was in so much pain. So back to the story and why that makes sense to me. I was in so much pain and the only thing that I could really use for energy was that thought, the thought of that, like this really, I really am nothing more than just another part of the universe. Everything is one bit, you know, like it was the only thing that, like that was the only thing that could for the next 12 hours, put one foot in front of the other is that like, I am not much more than just part of everything else. And like, that gave me the strength to finish a hundred K. That's amazing. Like to try to let things like the moon and the stars and the trees and the wind and the grass totally be continuously feeding energy to something that seemingly there was zero energy left. Um, And I think there is something to that. I don't know what it is. I'm interested in it. I'm fascinated in it. But there's something more. There's something more to it. You have to be trying to find ways to connect more with the energies around you. This is a energy field, I feel. 
You know, do you, you know, do you feel what I'm saying? I feel like I'm okay. kind of a kook right now. What no, do you think? I was like, you need a whole podcast. And I'm sure there's somebody about that, but no. And I think it even goes back to when, in the beginning when we talked about having, you know, your bike partner or having your, you can always find energy either through another human right. or through, I think the earth is powerful and it kind of, it grounds you in a different way when you're in that space. And, um, I 100% agree. So what's your thoughts on that overall? Do you think that there's like a, do you think there's more forms of communication between people than just, you know, just uh, eyesight, like hearing, you know, touch? Do you think that there's more, do you think there's something further that we communicate through that we're not aware of and that we can find a way to tap into to some degree? I, I can share from my experience with Pilates is... Like I mentioned earlier, it's a dance. When I'm working individually with someone, my mind can't carry anything else. Like what you mentioned yeah. on your run, I have to shed whatever else is about me or surface so that I can really feel what the other person is feeling and how they're moving. And when I'm in with that space with someone, that's when I can partner them perfectly and give them exactly what they need in that moment that they didn't verbally tell me, I see it and feel it through their body, through the energy flow of their body, where something's getting stuck or where something is holding tension or not moving as it should move in a supple body. There is something introspective being a part of that one-on-one -on -one session. How often do you do, do you do one-on-one -on -one more or less often? Um, I, I Right now I teach three group classes a week and then usually three or four private lessons a week that are one-on-one. -on -one. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So you really get to put a lot of energy into that hour. Yeah, yeah. That and is it's, really awesome. I, I get so much out of it because what I love helping people and I love to help them feel their best and be their best. When um, I worked at Lululemon for over 10 years and I always say, like, I love unleashing the potential in people is like what I love to do as a leader in that company. Yeah. And so I feel like Pilates is the same way. It's just a different playground for me to do it in. I get to unleash the potential of their body. And then it's amazing when they actually leave feeling mentally clear right. and better. So I'm not just giving anyone the gift of a physical difference. It They walk out a different energy, a different person. There's absolutely no doubt that you're just bringing an unbelievable amount of abundance in life and vib vibration into their life. Like just in that hour that you are intently with them, um, in our, in our craft, by the way, that's awesome that you work at Lululemon. My wife would have so many questions <laughs> and, and, and she would, you guys could do a pot, a whole two hours talking probably about Lululemon. She loves the Lululemon crossbody. She, this is what she says. It's so funny. And I want to continue on that, that last thought, but so funny because she says, she says, um, she wears these cross body things, right? They're, they're like all the time. Right? Now it's like someone told her there's like a TikTok hot girl yeah. walk with it. They're like, yeah. they can't keep them in stock. I am like too old for that, but this is what I hear. <laughs> it's so real. So she does, she calls this thing the Lululemon cross body. It's not just a cross body, not just a bag. It has to be this Lululemon, the Lululemon yeah. cross body. And it's so funny that she spends all, all that energy to do that, but it is a, it is enough. She's got the, she was one of those first people. She was in some Facebook group. She was able to, by one of the first ones that came out. And so we were in Chicago and we saw, we were seeing Elton John and 
just randomly, a couple people came up to us while we were there. Oh my God, how'd you get the Lululemon crossbody? Like legit. So funny. I was like, this is so funny. Like, this is a real thing. People go crazy. Yeah. And I love it. I do. I love Lululemon. Like my first pair of shorts there, like the only thing I'll tell you is $80 pair of shorts, but it's worth it. Yeah. I, I want to tell people right now, my favorite pair of shorts to this day, when I was, when I, because um, maybe this is how you know uh, Travis Brown, he was a ambassador mm-hmm. for them. And so he was also a head trainer at, at the, uh, at the Orange Theory, Orange Theory and Ledoux there. Mm-hmm. So they said, hey, everybody, we've got some kind of cross, you know, some kind of cross thing going here and they're going to give you all a free pair of shorts and good to go. You go to the place. This is the first time I ever went to a Lululemon. I loved it. I was like, good stuff. This is cool. I got this pair of shorts. It has like these lining on the inside. And mm-hmm. until now, I've, until that time, that was probably, fuck me, that was probably six, six years ago now. Until then, I mean, I very much am like, I'm just gritty. Uh, you know what I mean? I, when I work out, it doesn't matter. I'm think, not thinking about the shoes. I'm not thinking about the clothes. It, it could be at any, it could be anything. That's just how I kind of came up in my training sure. experience is that like, it very, it very much was. More now than ever, I'm more spiritual in the way and more holistic in the way that I help people. But up mm-hmm. front, it was, and just how I got out of the situation I was when I was in a, a little bit younger, it was it was like, get the job done under any means necessary kind of mindset. Mm-hmm. So it was very like, I'm not worried about my clothes or, which I I have a different perspective of now, but shoes, I will wear shoes down into the, I will wear shoes into the ground uh, rug them, tug them, doesn't matter. I'm here to work. I, I'm not wearing headphones. Um, I once got yelled at by a coach in college. I played college football at Western Illinois. Once got yelled at for having them on. It was before um, a game, and I was just kind of in there to just kind of get the muscles moving. Um, shout out to Tim Grover, trainer of uh, trainer of Michael Jordan, the icon. His uh, book's good too. Have you have you read his book? I'm a big reader too. Yeah, it's a good book. Dude, killer. I absolutely love Tim Grover and his um his ideologies around winning. Yeah. Because I that's how I resonate. That was that was the mentality. It was like winning is everything. That is it, right? So I'm not worried about anything and I'm thinking about it like no in any case, that. So I go to this Lululemon. So this is a different, I mean, I, I, came, I came out of the, the garage gym, like chain around your neck kind of place. Now I'm, I'm working out here. I moved into St. Louis and I'm working out at the Orange Theory, which was a complete change of pace. Yeah. So then I'm also getting like the Lululemon, best pair of shorts I ever, I, they, to this day, they're like still brand new. Quality is awesome. Unbelievable. So for me, I'm like, that changed my whole thought. I'm like, and I feel good in them. I know. I, think- I feel good in them. After working there for so long and every fabric, everything, it's I I dressed based on my performance. Yeah, you know, you kind of you you talked about your socks. How do your socks it's feel real. on you? And it's like, all right, where are your pants? Are your shorts hugging you? Right. Are they supporting you in your movement? You're restricting your movement. Can you breathe in your movement? And I'm always like, look good, feel good, play good. It's that like, is also real. Also, how I like, you know, you walk in tall or like. So I, it also You're, goes hand in hand. You are right, dude. That I'm I'm happy you said that. Yes. That's why I changed my, after I got those, maybe it's Lululemon. <laughs> it was the catalyst of your whole direction of change. <laughs> That's what, what if for, it could be something as small as that it, could it, be. It sometimes is. It sometimes is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, it very much is that. The details of your life are so important about your fitness. It's, it, it's, uh, it's crazy, but I do say that. I say, listen, like you're having trouble getting in the gym? Buy an expensive pair of shorts. 
This is what I tell people. I'm like, yeah. buy an experience. Like when I, when you wear them, you feel good. You just bought them too, so that's another thing. And now you want to go wear them. And when you wear them, you feel good, and the workout feels good. Mm-hmm. As opposed to just being like, man, I got to power this out. So p- while people are saying, hey, you don't need to buy an expensive pair of shorts, I disagree. I disagree. I think you should feel you should be really proud about what you wear, and you should feel good about what you're wearing. And like anything, if you need to automate that. Value comes from, it's just like value is a perspective based thing. So perspective is reality. If you buy two of the same exact shirt, same material, same, maybe not same company that would change, that would change the way you look at it, but same exact material. It's the same exact shirt. Mm -hmm. Let's say brand, who knows, but the same exact shirt. They're good quality shirts. Good to go. One is a dollar. The other one is a hundred dollars. When you wear the hundred dollar shirt, you better you feel better mm-hmm. than when you wear the one dollar shirt and the one hundred dollar shirt. So now you have this perceived increase of value of a thing that does have good integrity. Now I do think that it's important for that's why I think it is important that there's that you pay something forward for the value you receive. So there's beauty in paying a high dollar amount, say for somebody like you to do one on one training because that is priceless in my opinion, but also you will value it so much more as the client and it will mean and resonate so much more to you in a way that I think is the same all the way to the detail of the clothes you wear. Because if you're wearing it, you feel good. When I had a, uh, and so you act that way as well. And so I, when I was in college, I, I got a really good internship up in Chicago. And when I had to do this vigorous, I don't know what it was, it was a bunch of calls and interviews or whatever it was this long vigorous process or whatever every time I did a call it was just a phone call I would get dressed up I'd get all done up I'd have it I, like I was gonna go and meet the person I would just I would wear my most expensive stuff yeah I would look good I'd br- bring myself to a high energy place where it was quiet but high energy not the library and one of those weird places that was as far away from high energy as I could go I'm talking about going like if there was a rooftop of two that overlooked the campus, like one was one of them, where nobody was really up there, but it was a high energy place. I saw the trees, I saw, it's just a cool, I just really like being up high, part of the, just seeing everything. It's good energy, brings good energy in. Feel good in a, in a high energy, in a high energy um, environment. And so that's how my voice carried into the, mm. into the, phone whereas if i was like sitting in my basement on a couch watching netflix in my pjs right they would hear that they would hear that have you seen the ted talk about the um power poses no it's a there's a whole ted talk on this and it's been around a while but it's like even just it's like a power desk pose where like if you sit at the desk feet up on the desk um i'll have to find it and send it to you but it's actually all about how your pose translates into your confidence and how you sound and how people perceive you Man, so how much do you how much do you know about that? How much do you dive into that? Um, I just listen to it. I'm like, um, I'm I'm an avid reader too. So, I I mean, last year I was like, I'm gonna read 52 book like book a week. Okay, gotcha. so and they're usually all like about the body, yeah. or they're about like leadership or mental or like. Yeah. Every now and then I'll I call them like a mental margarita. I'll sprinkle in there where I'm just like, okay, zoning out. Yeah, but. I, I think we're similar in that, like, I love learning constantly because have you ever done the book Strengths Finder? 
No, StrengthsFinder. Cool. So it tells you like basically here are your like your strengths and it breaks them down and mine are connector and teacher. So I I love connecting people to people and I love connecting different ideas that people might not have ever put together, like boxing and Pilates. Right. I was like, I'm creating a format for a class and I'm bringing these two things together because I see how much they're related. And then teacher is one. So I've always been like leadership. I trained throughout Lululemon and then teaching now. So it's neat, StrengthsFinder um, for anyone. And you read a book and then you answer these questions and it tells you basically based on these things, here's the environments you should put yourself in, where you will thrive. Here's how to tap into them. I think you... Give me that book before you leave. I, I, want, I definitely, I want to, yeah, I definitely. This, it's good these, to give your teams too. So anyone yeah. that has a team or manages or leads a team, it's nice to know everyone on your team's strengths so you can really tap into them yeah, as well. That is, that is a skill in of itself. It's, it's like so difficult. I will say I've been a, a, I've been a trainer for 10 years. I've owned my own brick and mortar for about three and a half. It's almost four. It'll be, it'll be four and the end of, oh man, invite. Today? The end of, end of oh. I think it's the end of September. I think it's the end of September. By the end of September, That's awesome. I think is when I opened it. Two thousand and it was like two thousand and eighteen, September two thousand eighteen. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But the idea though is that I was doing it all myself for a while. I will tell you this: naturally, you have to start to lead. Don't try to be a leader. Although I will say, like you will, you have to learn how to lead, and that is probably my number one. Right now, that's where I'm. I am working so hard. Mm-hmm. To not only train my clients, but I use my same. I use the same principles. I use the same core values. I, but they're welcome to downtown St. Louis. He made the podcast. He did. He made the podcast. That was great. I I didn't realize what time it was, but we we should start to wrap up here yeah. in a second. But uh, but anyways, oh shit, what would I say? He totally. He totally. The um the leadership part. The leadership. So I'm gonna send you some so, other links. I'm really good. It's, it absolutely, and also I'll put it, I'll put it also in the description just so everybody who's listening can see it, but it is so hard. It is a spiritual journey. You have to look inward. You have to control your emotions. You can't, you have to take ownership at some next level, you know? And, um, I think that you're, you're a hundred percent right on that. So before you leave, cause I just, we were getting into a depth conversation. I'm like, oh my gosh, two hours flies, right? Yeah, it really did. I, you know, this is what I fucking love about this podcast, you know? And I, 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 more often than not, I will tell you this right now, more often than not, when I have these conversations, I wish I could do another hour. Yeah. Always. I always wish I could do another hour. Almost like, okay, some people are like, oh my God, some people do long format conversations, like three hours plus. How, how do they do that? I know exactly how they do that. You get into this flow mm-hmm. and after the first 30 minutes of conversation, which is always going to be surface level stuff. You start to see not so much like into the soul of a human being, but you start to see the depths of the layers, like the experiences, the emotions, the understanding, the awareness of a, of a person. And then you start to connect at such a different level mm-hmm. that time starts to, you're in flow state essentially. Yeah. And the tangent you go off on, you're like, how do we get here? I'm a tangent. I'm tangent. Well, that all makes sense, but it's just an interesting way that you flow through it all. There's like this natural uh, narrative arc throughout the two hours that lately I feel like I'm not able to finish. Mm. You know, I I feel like two hours is good, but I I really like to get into the details you of might each be a concept. Three hour, or a three hour know, podcast, fine, whatever. Yours. <laughs> it's the, That's po- the beauty of your podcast, right? You can have it as long as you want. That is exactly right. That is exactly right. And and you know what? I probably will if I had more time in the day, you know, because it's right now I got to get him. Got a couple of new trainers. That was Sophie. She made the podcast. Hi, Sophie. <laughs> Hi. 
any case, so I've got to I've got to train some trainers. Yeah, some new yeah. Trainers. life to get back to. Um, but hey, we I'm in the new gym. We opened the new gym in about nine months, roughly um, nine, probably six to nine months, roughly. I'm gonna have a podcast studio there. Ken here today, he was doing some testing today. So like his camera, he's going to start, he's going to start doing some, uh, some production. So guys, everybody who's listening, we're going to have video. We're going to have video. I'm shooting right now in 4k. I'm trying to find a way to get 4k 30 FPS, uh, 30 frames per second on, on, um, of iPhone to YouTube. So that'd be really cool. And I've got some lights and stuff coming in, but we will have you on again. That way you can see the new podcast. We can cover, more depth on things. We can hit different. We already kind of have your background. And so we can get into depth more in the spirit side of things. But I do have a couple more questions before we finish. Um, and the first is, um, so with all of your experience and journey with fitness and overcoming things and finding systems and, uh, and reaching these accomplishments, like going to, you know, Boston, all that stuff, with all of the people you work with, five years is good. I always think it's three years to get a, of training with one-on-one clients to get an understanding, the introspective understanding of how to connect during the time you're helping them out, right? It takes, it takes like, a, it takes time and seeing that, oh, this is not a program, right? So with all of your experience, all of your knowledge and your, your desire for knowledge and your de- desire for learning, what is the most important thing a person should start doing right now to start getting better in their fitness. Yeah. Um, I believe in like the power of why you watch that Simon mm. Sinek talk. No, I haven't, but I, I'm going to send that to you. Yes, too. definitely. So it's just, I think what I, what I believe is you can hire the best trainer. You can go to the best gym, but unless you really decide to make a change and it's something that you want not for superficial reasons, but because there's a true meaning behind it, it's never going to stick and it's not going to work. And I think a trainer or someone could help you by asking you the questions like, why do you want to move? And maybe you want to move because I know like I want to play with my kids until I'm like well into my 80s and 90s, right? And I see women in Pilates that are in their 80s like moving beautifully. And I'm like, okay, there's something to this. Maybe you want to move. I don't like. I don't. I started running at one point fast because in in grade school everyone told me I was slow, right? So that was another. Like you have to find what your why is. You had to have a why to run twenty four hours, right? Like you have to have a purpose. So I think that takes some looking inward, which can be scary. I also think people try something one time and they don't like it. So they're like, okay, I didn't like working out. There are a million different places, especially in St. Louis. I think we have some of the best trainers ever all located in this small area to try different things. Like there's Zumba, like, I mean, dancing for fun, right? There is weightlifting. There is Pilates. There's bar. There's yoga, different types. There are so many different ways to move your body. I would say don't feel like you should do one thing. Find something that you love and that works for you. Oh, yeah. Best said. I love that. Find your why. That's so purposes everything. Yeah. And then your joy. So I guess it's your why and your joy. Why are you doing it? And find something that brings you joy. I think that's a really good, I think that's a, a really good bit of advice. I think that's the foundation of everything, right? The purpose and the why. Mm-hmm. Do you have, a, do you have a, an exercise 
on a way somebody could simply start trying to find that? Yeah. So I like to start with, I mean, I, I'm, I'm really big on like your vision and your goals. So thinking sometimes just on a walk or I like to move to think, where do I want to be in one year, in two years? Like, what does my body feel like? Okay. Like, and I just start to visualize myself in that future state and then you trickle back. Okay. What do I need to do to get there? What do I need to start doing today? And what does that look like to me? Um, there's also, you can go online and you can Google, um, core values charts. Like Brene Brown actually has a great one and it's a list of all these words and you can go through and you circle. So I always do this exercise with people. I'm like, okay, I'm like circle 20 things. Now take it to 10. Now take it to five. Now take it to three. These are your three core values. Write down what each means to you because let's say one of my core values, you mentioned patience or something, right? Let's say patience is one of yours. Your definition of patience might be different than my definition of patience. Mine could be patience with my three wild children. Yours could be patience with, you know, like finding this movement in your shoulder or something. So write down what that is. And those are your core values. So how do those apply to what you want in your life? And that's part of your why usually, because that's a core value is like your North star, right? This is what I'm constantly working for is everything I'm doing in my life now taking me to my North star. That's awesome. I I 100% agree. I think my trainers will tell you I relentlessly go over core values. It's the first thing we'll do over there right now. It's you. It's your North star. It's like it keeps you on your path. And then um, I, I use it as a decision filter. Does this fit into what matters to me? And then it becomes easier to say no to things, which is really hard to do. That's a whole different podcast, but that could be That's what I'm saying. I'm like, do. man, you brought up core values, dude. We could do another couple hours on this, man. But I, I'm telling you right now, that is awesome. Find your why. Write it down. There are a million exercises, and they're all pretty simple. And it's not – you might not get your your why or your purpose. Now, like everyone – you know, like – have a strong purpose. And it can change. It's not like it's written in cement. Like it can change as you evolve and the world around you changes. So that is okay to say something and then change it next week. It doesn't make you wrong. That's exactly right. There was a, there's a quote of one guy that I I had on the podcast earlier on. Um, He said something that I thought was really smart. He said, have a strong, very strong vision and hold it loosely. Mm, Yeah. You know, something that is enough to, to when you think about it, when you see it, um, it derives emotion, a powerful emotion, like in your body. You, you, your, your vision is something that derives real emotion, motivation. When you find yourself in the darkness, and the darkness that will come for sure, the only thing that shines light, the North Star, the only thing that shines light in the room of, of, of darkness, which is the mitote of the mind, which is the different thing of a cool ideology. But, the only thing that will guide you there is the strength of your purpose. In that 24-hour run, the only thing that kept me moving forward was the strength of the one thing. Mm-hmm. The strength of the one thing. Everything else melted away. If there's anything that I got from running 24 hours nonstop and run it, like putting myself through that and I'll do it again, I have ambitions not to hit 100 miles, is that it provided an unbelievable, an unbelievable level of clarity a vision mm-hmm. because it's the only thing that had enough power to stick around when you are enduring such a painful experience 
but the pain doesn't matter as long as you have a strong vision. So finding that vision, guys. You know, and that takes patience. That takes patience. And quieting noise, yeah, which is a different challenge. But there's lots of support out there too, like on the internet and resources, you know, to help you with that. Like think, this. Yeah, and it can and be like daunting. You. It can be. Um, and like with that why, like for the Pilates part, that's, I love asking everyone, like, why are you here today? And it can change your, even that purpose, right? right. Like, how are we going to move today? What does your body need? And sometimes you don't know, so I'll help you find it. Yeah. But even that purpose in a daily exercise can have meaning. Laura. Thank you so much for coming. That was an amazing conversation. Thank I love you. that. That was great. Thanks Good so much. Shit. You did two hours. What did you think? It was great. It was just nice to like talk to an adult. It was really good for two hours. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that was good fun. That was good fun. I do appreciate you for coming. Guys, do you have anything to promote? Like where can they find you? Where can you go find Laura? Um, so my Instagram is retrain, R-E-T-R-A-N Pilates. And um, I am at the Central Studio, which is in Clayton, right at Clayton and Hanley. And then I'm at the St. Louis um, Boxing Gym. So that is um, in Maplewood. And I teach a really fun class there that is boxing and Pilates. So you can get that heart rate up in a little, if you need that hit action in your life, that happens there. There we go, guys. That was Laura Dunlap. Lop. Dunlap. Dunlap. <laughs> go check her out. Thank you so much for coming in. Um, this is the first time I really, well, the second time that I guess I have video. This is a new setup. I hope you liked it. I hope it's it's watchable. It's going to be good. Um, go follow, uh, go follow Laura. If you found any value in this, share it to your buddy. Get some value out of it. Better other people's lives. Do you have anything? No, thank you Let's for this go. opportunity. <laughs> You're very welcome. I can't wait for the next one. Okay. All right, guys. Always remember: think big, live better.